0: You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius podcast. Amen, amen. It's great, especially in these days, to know that we serve a God with whom all things are possible. Nothing beyond His ability. Certainly, it's that truth we want to hold on to as we're walking through this present reality. It's interesting how this thing keeps evolving from day to day. Who would have ever thought there would have been a run on toilet paper and hand sanitizer? But so it is. As we're navigating uh, this season, uh, I would encourage you please check out our website. Things are changing every day. Our plan at this point is to have no Wednesday evening activities. Um, but please go to the website. We'll be keeping you up to date. Uh, with all that's happening and how we're responding to the crisis at hand as well as opportunities. Uh, We even set strategy in place this morning as to how we're going to reach out to some children in need as the schools have been closed as well as to how we're going to serve our elderly um, in this time. So again, please check out the website. Um, Not only is there information, it's there that you can honor the Lord in your giving as well. For those who are here this morning, we have baskets in the back. Uh, If you would so choose, you can place your offering there as you exit this morning. Well, today we're continuing on, and then we have this present crisis playing out, and if you're like me, you've been inundated with information. So we're going to look away from the crisis, actually, to a different story that's found in the Gospel of John, chapter 5. We've been working through the Gospel of John, uh, taking a deeper dive into the miracles that Jesus performed that John recorded for us with this, that people might hear and believe, that they might come to put their faith in the Messiah. Miracles that not only reveal what Jesus did, but I think miracles that stir us and challenge us today to believe for what Jesus might want to do in our own lives. Now, certainly Jesus is able, but one of the things I've come to discover is that oftentimes we develop or construct ideas or ways of thinking that actually can become a hindrance or can become a limit to what Jesus can do or or would want to do in our lives. At times, I think maybe even not even knowing it, not even being aware of a reality that we've constructed, we can allow our thinking and possibly um, conclusions that we've come to to actually limit a limitless God.
1: This is my frame. I take it with me everywhere. It's taken my entire life to build this frame. This side I built during my childhood. So many people told me that I would never amount to anything. And so I crafted my own way and built it into the way that I look at the world. And this side I built during a very traumatic time in my life. That was tough. Don't want to go through that again. I've um, had some setbacks, some losses, some challenges, and some heartaches. And I've built them all right here into this frame. I use my frame for everything. (laughs) I use it when I look at other people. I use it when I look back at my past experiences or build my future. It's so special to me. It's my comfort and my constant companion. What would I ever do without it? Oh, and I also use my frame when I pray or think about God. I don't think God would ever do what he did for other people, for me. I'm just not that kind of person. Miracles don't happen for people like me. Not with my past. Just don't see it that way. Nope. Just not in my frame of view. What's that? You think I'm a little strange, me having this frame? You didn't know you had one too?
0: So what framework have you possibly constructed that might be distorting your view of God? That might be distorting the very way that you relate to God? What experiences in your life have, have you had or conclusions that you might have come to that might be restricting the work that God would want to do in your life? If we're not cautious in a way and we can allow experiences in life to distort our view of God and to distort our response to him, we can, we can come to assumptions that shape our beliefs that are not fully accurate. And it's those assumptions that can keep us from believing. It's those assumptions that can keep us from asking or contending. It's those assumptions or excuses that can actually limit God. And we're going to see this play out in the story we're going to look at in John chapter 5. But before we get to that story, let me share another story with you. The year was 1939. The gentleman's name was George Danzig. He enrolled in, a graduate, um, enrolled in school as a graduate student at University of California, Berkeley, studying statistics under the Polish-born professor Jersey Neyman. At the beginning of one of the class sessions, Dr. Naaman put two examples of famously unsolvable problems on the blackboard. Well, George came in late to class that day, and he didn't hear the disclaimer about these statistical problems being unsolvable. He actually thought it was homework that was being assigned, so he scribbled down these two problems off of the blackboard and went to work on them. It took a little longer than anticipated but George Danzig actually solved both of the problems that to this point were perceived to be unsolvable. So on a Sunday morning six weeks later an ecstatic Dr. Neiman knocked on George's front door to share the news with him and a bewildered George at this point actually apologized thinking that an assignment that was that he was supposed to hand in was overdue. And that's when Dr. Neiman informed George that he had solved two of statistics' unsolvable problems. George went on to do groundbreaking work in linear programming. The tools that Danzig developed have shaped the way airlines schedule their fleets, shipping companies ship their, business, uh, ship their products, All companies run their refineries, and businesses manage their revenue projections. Danzig's legacy is felt far and wide, but the genius... But the genesis of his genius can be traced back to one defining moment. As a sti- statistic student, in his own words, this is what Danzig said. He said, "If someone had told me they were two famous unsolvable problems, I probably wouldn't have even tried to solve them." You know, far t- far too often, we come to too many assumptions about what is and what isn't. You now, George Danzig solved these problems because he didn't know. He didn't know it couldn't be done. Therein lies, I believe, one of the secrets to experiencing the miraculous. You know, when Jesus said these words: "With God, all things are possible." And just to make sure that we don't miss the point, in Luke one thirty-seven, it's inverted. It actually says there that nothing is impossible with God. Whenever the Bible says the same thing two ways, it's like doubly important. The word "impossible" shouldn't really shouldn't be in our vocabulary as Christ followers. It's the primary reason I believe that oftentimes we don't experience the miraculous. See, if we're not aware and conscious, we can allow our logical assumptions to trump our theological beliefs. And before we know it, our reality is defined by human assumptions rather than by divine revelation. So let me double back to this simple truth. Jesus can make your impossible possible. Let me say that again. Jesus can make, take your impossible, that place where you think, wow, there's no way he can make a way. But experiencing the miraculous is certainly more than positive thinking. You know, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can doesn't always get to train up the, the tracks like the little engine that could. And it's certainly not some Jedi mind trick, but I do think, I do think Henry Ford was right when he said these words, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. It's not mind over matter. It's actually faith over matter. I mean, faith doesn't ignore a doctor's diagnosis. It does, however, it does, however, seek the second opinion from the great physician. I mean, faith doesn't deny a potential reality. It chooses to see the reality through the cross. I think mean, most of... Most of you today would agree with me that all things are possible with Jesus. I mean, we hold that conviction deeply. We believe that God lacks in no way, that he can do all things. However, one of the things I've come to discover in my own faith journey, and as I talk with a lot of folks, if we're not careful, we can take a God who has no limits and put limits on him. We we can take a God who has all ability, yet we limit his ability as we get stuck in our wrong thinking and our wrong actions, or even possibly our lack of actions. Jesus is able, but experiencing the miraculous often hinges on our response. We can allow our thinking to keep us from what Jesus might want to do in our lives. We have a great illustration of this in John chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, you can look there with me. In John chapter 5, we have Jesus coming to a pool in the city of Jerusalem. It's called the Pool of Bethesda. As I was in Israel a couple months ago, I took a a couple pictures of the site where the pool was back in Jesus' day. And as you can see the pictures, the archaeologists have done some excavating of this site. But somewhere in this area is the place that Jesus would have performed this third miracle that's recorded in the Gospel of John. Now there was a superstition about the Pool of Bethesda. And that it had healing powers. That in the water there was a healing power. That actually beneath the pool was a subterranean stream which every now and again would bubble up and it would disturb the water. And the belief was this, that the disturbance was actually caused by an angel and the first person to get into the pool after the troubling of the water would be healed from any illness from which they might be suffering. Therefore... There were like a number of sick people, we don't know how many, the scripture doesn't say there were a number of sick people, needy people who were gathered around the pool and they were waiting for the water to be troubled. They were waiting for their miracle moment. And what's interesting is Jesus comes to the pool of Bethesda and he begins to have a conversation with a man who needed a miracle, with a man maybe much like you in the situation you would find yourself in even this morning. So let's read this story as recorded, John chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now, there was in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five colored, covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? So Jesus approaches the man really asking him, hey, do you want a miracle in your life? Notice verse 7. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat, and he walked. So in this miracle, Jesus approaches a man here at the pool of Bethesda who has been sick for 38 years. Now, we don't know what his illness was. The Scripture simply says that that he was an invalid. But think about his situation. For 38 years, like half of his life... He would have been dependent upon someone else. He would have been struggling with whatever the situation was that he had. And we don't know even how long he's been positioned at the pool waiting for his opportunity, waiting for his miracle. But on this day, his life is about to change because he has an encounter by the one who can make the impossible possible. As Jesus learns of his story, his prolonged illness, he he approached the man and engaged, engaged him in a conversation. And I want you to listen to how verse 6 and 7 reads from the New Living Translation. Recently I was, I was reading from this particular translation and I was, I was captured by this statement in verse 6 and verse 7. It reads like this. When Jesus saw him, the man who was sick, and knew how long he had been ill, he asked him, Would you like to get well? The response of the sick man is, I can't, sir. Think about that. Would you like to get well? I can't, sir. For I have no one to help me in the pool when the water is stirred. I think this is amazing. I mean, Jesus approaches this man who's been struggling with an illness for 38 years, and actually presents to him an opportunity. He presents an encounter that can change his life. He asks, "Do you want to get well?" And the sick man responds by saying, "What? I can't, sir." Jesus presents a question of opportunity, and the man in need responds with a statement of excuse. Like, that's the wrong answer. As I read that, I thought, wow, that is like the wrong answer to give to Jesus. Like, he's bringing opportunity, and, and you're presenting excuse. And Jesus wants to give the man a different future, but he's stuck. He's stuck in his present reality. Jesus knows what can be, but the man is, is stuck in his present circumstances. Jesus has the power to turn his situation around. But the sick man stuck in his present assumptions. As I read this story, I think the invalid's greatest handicap wasn't physical. His greatest handicap was mental. His greatest handicap, his greatest limitation, was in his thinking. He could not see beyond his present situation to believe for something greater, like Jesus wanted to give the man a different future, but he was stuck. He was stuck in his present reality. You know, oftentimes I believe the same can happen in our lives. We can get stuck. We can get hung up in our present reality, in our assumptions. We can get hung up and miss what God might want to do in our lives. We can allow our process of thinking to keep us from believing, to keep us from taking action. So let me share with you, from this story, let me share with you some places that we might possibly get stuck, that becomes a limiting factor in our lives? Because again, what we believe is that with God, there's no limits. What we believe is that with God, all things are possible. But Why do we not always experience that? Why do we not always come to that? I believe it's because, again, we can create limiting factors in our thinking and in our lives. So let me quickly give you four, four places I think we can get stuck. First is this, we can get stuck in our past. I mean, with this man with the illness, he was stuck in his past. He had not been able to get into the pool when the water was stirred. So he was allowing what had happened in the past to shape his present thinking. Therefore, he was, when he was presented the opportunity by Jesus, he said this, I can't, sir. He was allowing what had happened in the past to keep him from what could happen in the present. I think the same thing can happen in our lives. Maybe there's a past failure. Maybe there's a... A past hurt, maybe there's a past experience that's robbing you of the present of what God would want to do in your life. Maybe you prayed for a miracle in a critical situation, and it didn't happen the way you thought it would. Today, you're stuck in the past of that. You can't believe for something greater in the present. Maybe there was a, a point or place of injury, and, and you feel like like God didn't come through like He didn't rescue you. And because of that past experience, you're now seeing God through that past experience. And you're really not certain maybe if you could trust Him today. Or possibly you were taught that God doesn't do miracles today. And because of that faulty teaching and instruction in the past, you struggle to believe in the present. Listen, there's a lot of of different ways we can get stuck in our past. But what we have to know is that the problem is not with Jesus. The problem is not with His ability. He's still able today. But again, oftentimes, our past, what happened in the past, keeps us stuck. And we have this, we have this framework that we're looking through. And we're, and, we're, and we're viewing God through that framework of the past. And it, it limits what he can do in our lives in the present. Here's a second way that we can get stuck. I think we can also get stuck in our limitations. And when Jesus approached the sick man wanting to change his reality... The man spoke of his limitation and that he could not get into the water fast enough. He says, that's the problem. He says, when the water stirred, like everyone else gets in in front of me, I'm so limited, I have no one to help me. Therefore, I can't get in the water. Therefore, I can't experience my miracle. He was so focused on this limitation in his life that he couldn't even hear what Jesus was saying. I mean, this is like Jesus, the Son of God, present before him, extending this amazing opportunity and he's so stuck in his limitations, he can't, even, he can't even hear what Jesus is saying. He can't respond to what Jesus is saying. Again, I think the same thing can happen in our lives. Jesus invites us into something that's beyond our ability, something that's supernatural. And we don't move because we're stuck. We're stuck in what we perceive we can't do. And because we're stuck in that, we don't step out in faith. We don't believe for something greater. Now I recently read a story about a man named Matt Stutzman, who's 37 years old. He lives in Fairfield, Iowa. He is one of the best archers in the world. Interesting, he competed in the 2012 and 2016 Paralympics and won a silver silver medal in 2012. He also holds the world record for the um, for the longest accurate shot in archery. But what's interesting about Matt? is that he was born without arms. He actually holds the bow with his feet. There's an apparatus that he straps around his upper body, his upper torso, in which he pulls the bow back. He releases the trigger with his chin and has become one of the most proficient archers in the world today. Obviously, he's not allowed his limitations to limit what he could do. Amazing story. So I ask you this morning, what limitations may be holding you back? What limitations might you be stuck in that's keeping you from the fullness of what God might want to do in your life? Here's a third area that we can get stuck in. We can get stuck in blame. The man who was sick in John 5 blamed others for his lack of healing. If you look back to the text in verse, in verse 7, he told Jesus, he said, I can't get well because when the waters are troubled, like everyone else gets there in front of me. So I'm not getting my miracle because it's, it's their fault. If they would let me get in front of them, then I would get my miracle. And so what? He's blaming others for the reality of his situation. Again, I think this can be a limitation in our own lives. We can blame others for our situation and not take responsibility for what we should. Like I deal with this all the time as I interact with people, as I counsel people. As long as individuals are stuck in blame like it's someone else's fault, as long as they're pointing the finger at someone else, then here's the reality they never take responsibility for what they can do or what they should do. And because of that, what happens? They stay stuck. They stay stuck in that place, that place of blame. So so what might what, what might Jesus want to do in your life if you could move beyond the blame? If you can move beyond saying it's someone else's fault, to embrace that point of responsibility, how might Jesus want to work in your life? I think we can also get stuck in excuse, making excuses. In the story, Jesus presents this man in need with an opportunity, and he responds. Interestingly, he responds with an excuse. Again, Jesus asks him, "Do you want to get well?" Notice what he says: "I can't, sir." Jesus is saying, here's your opportunity. And he's given Jesus an excuse and response. He tells Jesus why he can't be well. Again, the same thing can happen in our lives. We can allow excuses to keep us from taking action that might just open the way for Jesus to do something miraculous in our lives. We allow excuses to keep us from the potential of what could be. You know, recently... We had a man who's a partner at Grace Covenant who ran a 50K in Washington, D.C. And what's interesting about this story is a man's 72 years old. And he finished first in this 50K race. First uh, out of all of those who were 60 years or, or older. And as I was listening to this man tell me about this experience, I'm thinking in my mind, and what's my excuse? He's 72 and he just ran a 50K. What's my excuse? Yeah, I think oftentimes we get stuck an excuse, I can't do this, I can't do that, therefore, we don't move, we don't act, we don't put faith to work. And could it be, could it be in the midst of our excuses, like this invalid in John chapter 5, could it be in the midst of our excuses that we're actually limiting what God might want to do in our lives? And what I'm confident of is is that the God we serve is good. And I believe that he wants to bring greater encounters and greater experiences in our lives. Proverbs 13 verse 21 says this trouble chases after the sinner, while the blessings of God chase after the righteous. Did you catch that? The blessings of God chase after who? The righteous. The blessings of God chase after you. So what can we do? What can we do to experience the greater that God wants to do in our lives and through our lives? How can we make way for Jesus like to change our present reality? I think that's the great question. As we read this story in John chapter 5, I'm going to leave you with three points of action that I think can help us move toward what Jesus might want to do in our lives, in our present reality. I think the first thing you have to do is you have to confront the lie that has you stuck. So what lie have you possibly come to believe? What assumptions have you come to in your life that would be opposite of the truth of God's word? So if we, if we took our assumptions and we, and we measured them, we lined them up to God's word, how would our assumptions line up to God's word? And if your assumptions don't line up with God's word, then hear me, the problem's not with God's word. Okay? Well, we want to challenge those assumptions. What excuses have you been making that's kept you from moving in obedience or taking the next step? See, I think oftentimes the miraculous involves taking the next step. And if we're stuck in excuses, guess what? We're not taking the next step. So what do we need to do? We need to, we need to confront the lie. For the man in John chapter 5 who was sick, he had lived with his limitation for so long, for so long that he was not even aware of it. And I think that can happen in our own lives. as we have blind spots. And we're not aware of our wrong thing. And we're not aware of wrong assumptions. We're not aware of these lids that we've created that, that actually limit God's work in our lives. Listen, for this sick man in John chapter 5, he actually responded out of his limitation. Therefore, he said, I can't, sir. The lie, that was the lie that he came to believe that had him stuck. So as long as we believe the lie of excuses, blame, or limitation, we stay stuck. We allow the lie to determine our reality. So what do you need to do? Really simple. Identify the lie. Confront the lie and repent. Identify the lie that's become the limiting factor. Call it out. Own it. Listen, until you're willing to call it out, until you're willing to name it, until you're willing to identify it, it will continue to limit God's work in your life, so identify the second is confronted with truth. Bring the truth of God's work word to work in your life, and then repent. Repent for the wrong thinking, and renew your mind, renew your thinking, and then move forward fully confident of God's ability as you respond in obedience to His direction. So don't allow your wrong thinking, your wrong assumptions, or your excuses to keep you from what God might want to do. So the first thing we need to do is confront the lie. Confront the lie that might have us stuck. Here's a second point of action. Only God can do miracles, but there's almost always, there's almost always like this human element involved. In other words, most of the time, you have a part to play in what God wants to do. You. Even in your humanity, even in the limitations that you have. I mean, like, I can't do miracles. You can't do miracles. Only God can do miracles. But again, most of the time, most of the time, he wants to do it in and through our lives. We see this consistently throughout Scripture, specifically here in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 2, we looked at this a couple weeks ago. In John chapter 2, Jesus did a miracle of turning H2O to wine, water to wine. And if you read the story there were was, was some servants that filled six jars with water. And it was their participation, it was their, their work that brought about the reality of the miracle. They had a role to play in the miracle. Last week we looked at John chapter 4 and there was this Gentile ruler whose son was sick. And obviously Jesus did the miracle. Jesus healed his son. But don't miss this. The father, the desperate dad, had a significant role to play in the miracle. In John chapter 6, we have the multiplication of, of the fish and the bread where, where Jesus takes like five barley loaves and two fish and he, and he multiplied it to feed a crowd of 5,000 plus people. Obviously, Jesus did the miracle. But if you read the story, there was a little boy who brought his lunch and he presented his lunch to Jesus. What? The little boy played a significant role in the miracle. Jesus did the miraculous, but he had a partner in the process. The little boy who was willing to bring what he had and and to give it to Jesus. In Mark chapter 5, we have the healing of the paralyzed man. Again, Jesus performed the miracle. Jesus healed the paralyzed man. But there were four friends who played a significant role in the process of the miracle. Listen, friends. Jesus is still doing miracles today. But most of the time, most of the time, there's a human element involved that makes way for the miraculous. What it involves your partnership, it involves your participation. So what action might you need to take to see the power of God released? The miracles happen as we partner faith and action. Miracles happen when we take what we believe about Jesus and we put it to work. I like the way Pastor Mark Batterson states in his book, The Grave Robber, he wrote these words, most miracles are the byproduct of long obedience in the right direction. Say it again, most miracles are the byproduct of long obedience in the right direction. So as we obediently follow Jesus and operate out of faith, what, he'll bring his power The only God can do miracles. But again, there's almost always this like human element involved. So look for the opportunities for the miracles and step into them. Listen, who knows what God might want to do in your life and through your life. Here's the final point of action. Live in expectation of God's goodness and power. Live fully persuaded that not, not only is God able, but that He wants to bring His goodness and His power present in your life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, No eye has seen, no ear is heard, no mind has even begun to conceive what God has prepared for those who love Him. Like we can't even get our minds around it. What this verse tells us is that there's more and there's better that God wants to bring for our lives. In this present time, He desires to encounter us, to encourage us, and to release His power in and through our lives. In this present reality, this crisis that we're navigating in our community, in our nation, in our world. Listen, I believe that God wants to bring His goodness and His power, not only to you, but He wants to work it through you. So here it is, folks. Look for it. Look for it. Expect it. Live your life in such a way that opens your life that God's miracle-working power does in what Jesus did for the invalid at the pool of Bethesda. Hear me, friends. He's still doing it today. So live in expectation of God's goodness and power. Move beyond whatever might have you stuck and live in confident expectation of God's power for your life today. You know, if you think about it, as Christ followers, we have the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, that resides within us. That's what we believe. According to God's word. And because of that reality, we should be living naturally supernatural. Why? Because the third person of the Trinity is in us. Like the supernatural shouldn't be something that happens like ever so often. Like every once in a while it happens. No, it should be happening on a daily basis. Why? Because the Holy Spirit resides within us. So wherever you are, wherever you go... Especially in this present reality that we're navigating. Listen, hear me. You have the power of God resident in your life. And God wants to work in your life and through your life in miraculous ways. So don't allow your thinking to be the lid. Don't allow what you might be stuck in to be that that limits what God might want to do in your life. For the sick man in in John chapter 5, his life was changed because of one encounter with Jesus. So how might Jesus want to encounter you today? What area might there be in your life where you need to be honest enough to say, I'm stuck here. I have to get unstuck so I can experience more of Jesus and more of life. What excuses, assumptions, or or limitations, or fears might you need to move beyond to open your life in a greater way to what God would want to do? What I'm confident of today is that God is able, so may we move, may we act, may we respond in a way that opens the way for God to work, for God to be God in our lives, for God to be God in this present reality, for God to bring His power and His provision for our lives. I want to invite you to pray with me this morning, not only here in the sanctuary, but wherever you're at in your homes. Would you just close your eyes? And as you have your eyes closed, I'm going to ask for you to reflect just for a moment. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, allow the Holy Spirit to reveal maybe some areas where you've been stuck. Maybe there's some excuses you've been making and, and, and you would just know today, wow, wow i got to move beyond this. Maybe there's some assumptions that you've had that have you stuck. Maybe there's this issue in your past that has you stuck. Maybe there's a frame that you've been viewing God through and that frame of mind, that frame of thinking. It's distorted and because of that you've been taking a God who has no limits and actually tying His hands, limiting His Word. Would you be bold enough this morning to pray this simple prayer, Holy Spirit, search my heart, search my life. Shine a spotlight, reveal Areas in my life where I might be stuck. Areas in my life that I might be limiting the work of Jesus. That I might be limiting that of His miracle working power. Well, Lord, this morning, we go to the next step and we repent. God, forgive us. Forgive us for wrong thinking. Forgive us for wrong assumptions. Forgive us, God, and our humanity for making excuses. And in those excuses, God, we have so limited your work in our lives and in our world. God, forgive us, we pray. We own that this morning. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would help us renew our thinking. May our thinking not be shaped by our assumptions. May our thinking not be shaped by that of our limited humanity. God may our thinking be shaped by your word and your word says all things are possible with you so Lord this morning we repent this morning we ask that you renew our mind and thirdly Lord this morning we respond may we be a people of action May we be a people, God, who clearly hear your voice and, Lord, step into what you're inviting us to, even if we don't have all of the answers, even if we don't fully understand. Lord, may we be so confident in you that we're willing to take that next step. And, God, I believe as we take the next step with our faith in you, God, it's there that you release your power. It's there that you bring your word. Lord, my prayer today from this story in John chapter 5 may we open the way for you to work in greater ways in our lives Lord, may we daily experience that your supernatural work in and through our lives Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name Amen well, God bless you. Thank you for joining us this morning online for our time of worship. Thanks for those who are here this morning as well. I pray God's blessings for you again. Stay informed, stay full of faith, and look for opportunities to represent Jesus. Here's my saying, you know it. Man, we've been blessed to be a blessing. So look, look for those opportunities to live your life out as a blessing to others. You check out our website. We'll keep you informed as we move forward. I pray God's blessings for you today.